We know that Lent is this time of repentance, of turning away from sin. Again, it's really important that we remember that when we turn away from sin, we're not just turning away. The point isn't turning away. It's what are we turning toward? So we're turning towards God and towards his love. Um, but it's important we know, too, that, that before you ever turn towards God, God is always toward you. And he's seeking you. And he longs for you. Like he deeply, he deeply desires you. So when we come back to God, we don't just come back kind of with our tail between our legs and he's like, fine, you can come back. No, no, no. No, this whole time he's been, he's been looking for you and, and longing for you and even aching for you. Um, we have this incredible encounter between Jesus and this woman. There's a lot of stuff going on in this story. There's a lot of cultural things going on that uh, we don't directly relate to. Um... One thing, yeah, some details that are important for us to understand, probably. One is that this woman, um, she is a Samaritan. Samaria is a region kind of around the people of Israel um, of people that were at odds with, with the Jews. They were enemies of the Jews. So there's, there's conflict there between the Jews and Samaritans. At this time, too, a man didn't speak with a woman in public by himself. That wasn't a thing because of public propriety. So the fact that Jesus is talking to a woman, when the disciples come back, they're like, whoa, what's going on here, right? Why is he talking to this lady? Also, Jesus, uh, he approaches her, and he sa she's like, how can you, a Jew, ask me a Samaritan for something? Right? We, we have nothing to do with each other. So in some ways, her, her and her people are an enemy of, of the Jews. Um, yeah, in our sin... In our turning away from God, we become in some ways enemies to God. We, we turn away from him. We say, no, I don't, I don't have things to do with you in these realms. And, uh, we, we remove ourselves from God. Please notice that she didn't go wandering around in, in Israel. No, Jesus came to her. So he shows up in her world. He comes to be close to her. So it's helpful to know. Also, this woman goes out to get water at this well. And when does she go? It says it's about noon when she goes. We presume um, that she went out at noon because she didn't want to see anybody. The well was probably kind of a social place. People would go to the well, you'd chat about stuff. They didn't have coffee shops at the time, you know? So you didn't meet a pump and pantry, you met at the well. So, um, yeah, uh, she goes though at noon. Noon is the warmest time of the day. Water is just as heavy now as it was then to haul water. She's got a stone jar. It's hot work. So people typically, seemingly, got water in the mornings and in the evening. She goes at noon because she doesn't want to see anybody. Because why? Because she is a woman of deep, deep shame. What is shame? Shame is this feeling of like, there's something wrong with me. Deep down, I'm bad. People don't want me. They don't want to be with me. Each of us have, have pockets of shame. Do you know that? Shame is that place where you're like, gosh, I really hate this about me. Or I kind of hate myself because of this thing. Sometimes we cloak our shame with what's called pride. So if I'm really afraid of being stupid, then I, I try to build, build pride on top of that. And I try to get really smart and figure everything out because I'm afraid of being stupid. If you want to know where your shame is, figure out what you hate most about other people. That's probably where your shame is. What, what really torques us off the most about other people is either something that reminds us of ourselves that we hate 
or something that if I was like that, I would hate myself. That's all shame. This woman, though, has really public shame. So a lot of people know about what's happened. And, and we hear about that in the story. We'll get to that. But she's a woman, like, in her shame, she just wants to hide. She doesn't want to be around people. Like, that's a painful experience. So she goes out at noon. Jesus there is sitting at the well, and it's not an accident. Like, he has come from heaven to find her. So this is an appointment that's been made from all eternity. Also, Jesus is sent by his Father. So the Father has sent him to this place in this moment to be here to encounter this woman. The first thing he says to her is what? Give me a drink. Something interesting happens. She comes out to get water from the well. She brings a pitcher or a, a, a jar. I forget what it says. She comes out to get water. The first thing Jesus says is, give me a drink. By the end of the story, Jesus didn't get a drink or any food. And uh, she runs back to town and she left her jar behind. So we start on this plane of kind of human needs and human desires, but there's something deeper going on. So even as Jesus says to her, give me a drink, he's talking about a thirst that he has, but it's not a thirst for water. What is thirst? Thirst is a desire that's very focused. When you're really, really thirsty, you want one thing. And what is that? Water. Right? When you're kind of thirsty, yeah, maybe cold beer, right? Maybe some lemonade. But when you're really, really thirsty, what do you want? You want water. Jesus is really thirsty. And what does he want? He wants her. He has a desire, a desire for this woman to know her and to love her. She shows up and he's moved by her and by her beauty and goodness. Even though she feels like deeply ashamed and probably kind of hates herself, Jesus desires her. And what does he want from her? He just wants her. That's an important idea that, that's hard. I think it's hard for me to hold on to. I don't know why. Do you know that God wants something from you? And it's you. Like he dearly delight, desires to be loved by you. And not to build himself up or something like that. No, but because he loves you and you're really good. You have something to offer him. And without you, it's like there's something he lacks because he desires you. Jesus thirsts for us. He desires us. She's like, how can you ask me for a drink? You're a Jew. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. What does that mean? Something flowing, something that gives life. It's not water that's just sitting at the bottom of a well. It's like he, he wants to give her something, something more, something more than she has. And at first there's this feeling of like, sir, you, you don't even have a bucket. And this cistern is deep. Um, and Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I will give will never thirst. And even that water will become a spring welling up to eternal life. And it's like something breaks in her. She's kind of like, why are you talking to me? I I'm a Samaritan. Like, why are you asking me for a drink? And then like, you can't even get water. Like, what's going on? And then he says something and he's stirring something in her heart. And it's like something shifts. And she says, sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. So, so there's this movement of her heart of like, yeah, like I'm really thirsty. But she too is thirsting for something deeper than just water. And Jesus is trying to draw that out of her. 
And that's what happens next in this shift. She's like, please give me the water. And then he says, go get your husband. Because why? What's going on? Again, in the same way that Jesus desires her, longs for her, she's got these longings in her heart that have just caused terrible pain in her life. Like she's been looking for something. She's been looking for love. She's been looking for communion, to be chosen, to be cherished, to receive kindness and mercy, tenderness. We don't know what all. But it's like something's gone really wrong and it's really either run amok or she's just been like deeply, deeply wounded. So she has a thirst for water, yeah, but there's a deep thirst for. And that thirst is good, although it may have ended up in not great places. So Jesus says, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he's like, well, kind of, right? Because what? He says she's had five husbands, and she's with one now who is not her husband. And again, let's just remember, like, this is a real person. She lived southeast of here, across the Atlantic in the Mediterranean, in, in a place called Samaria, which is in Israel. It's on the western edge of the Mediterranean. This is a real person. So let's take our Bible goggles off and like, can you imagine, and, and you know some people that have kind of been through this, but like, having had five husbands, we don't know what's going on there. It's unlikely that she's just an independent woman who does whatever she wants in the culture and in that time. So, so whatever's gone on, like, she's deeply, deeply wounded. It's been an extremely painful experience. And she, but she can't give up. You know, you think after two husbands, maybe after three husbands, she'd just be like, okay, maybe it's not in the cards for me. But no, she's like, she's got this desire for love and for connection that she just can't get rid of. And she keeps looking. And now she's with another guy. He's not her husband yet, but, you know, who knows? So again, that's why she's a woman of shame because everybody's seen her looking for something and she can't find it and, and they probably mock her, uh, they belittle her, they judge her, they hate her. But it's like, gosh, she can't shut down this desire. She doesn't know how. And that's good because the desire is good and she's been waiting for and looking for love and on this day, at this time, around noon, love shows up. It's like what she was always looking for and what she could never find is standing now before her face to face. It's him. It's Jesus. It's the, lo the love of her soul. So Jesus asks this question about her husbands. She's like, gosh, I can see that you're a prophet because you know things. And then she's asking about God, about worship. This tie uh, uh, or this uh, desire of her heart for love and intimacy is connected for her desire for God. If you don't know it already, God is love. And so all love points us back to God. So she longs for connection, for a husband, for intimacy. She's longing for God and like to know how to worship him. She asks Jesus about it. Um, yeah, and then something happens and she runs back to town. It says she left her water jar. And then she starts saying to everybody, come see a man who has told me everything I have done. It's like, okay, what happened? They were talking talking about water and thirst, talking about husbands, talking about worship, and then she runs back into town. What's not said, but what must have been happened is that somehow in this place where she is deeply ashamed, she experienced tremendous love. Jesus didn't shame her. He unveils this place of pain. He brings it to light. He brings it to the surface, but he doesn't mock her. He doesn't belittle her. He doesn't shame her. No, he just loves her. 
so much so that she can run back into town and start telling everybody, come and see this man who's told me everything I've done, alluding to the fact that she's had a bunch of husbands. Like the very thing that she was so ashamed of now becomes like, hey, come see this guy who told me I had a bunch of husbands. Because <laughs> she's not ashamed anymore. Why is she not ashamed? Because she's been loved. The only antidote to our shame is love. Again, if we're ashamed that we're too weak, in our pride we try to get really, really strong. If we're ashamed that we're too needy, in our pride we try to get really, really independent. But that never works. It never works out. What we need is love. That's the only thing that brings our hearts rest. It's the only thing that sets us free to where we don't have to hide anymore. Like I can just be me in my limits, in my faults and failures, and I'm just good because I'm loved. She runs back into town and she knows she's just good and she's loved. We know later, we hear that a bunch of this town comes to believe in Jesus because of this surprising messenger. He didn't pick the best. He picked the person that needed his love the most. Okay, so let's come back to ourselves. Each of us have places of shame and a question in our heart of, am I enough? Am I worthy of love? Am I good? Am I seen? Am I understood? Am I beautiful? And sometimes we have deep shame that says, no, I don't think so. If somebody really saw me, they would despise me or hate me or reject me. Jesus wants to draw near to that place and choose you and love you there. Each of us is thirsty. Like we have longings and desires. Your desires are always good and they're never too big. They might not be totally ordered. So sometimes Jesus wants to purify that. But your desires are good. St. Augustine, we think St. Augustine, we can't find where this quote is, is exactly, but we think it's St. Augustine said, he who is lost in his passions is closer to God than he who has lost his passions. Meaning, he whose passions are just taking him hither and thither and every which way is closer to God than he who doesn't want anything. Because God is a God of desire. He's a God of longing. He's a God of love. This woman, even in this search for something through all these husbands, is searching for God. And Jesus wants to meet that thirst and that hunger, that desire. And he does. Like something happens. And she has changed. Do you believe, it's true, but do you truly believe that Jesus Christ can fulfill and exceed all the deepest longings and desires of your heart? Because he can. Sometimes at first glance we're like, you don't even have a bucket, you know? Like, Jesus, you don't even have any money. How can you exceed all my desires? Like, uh, but he can and he longs to, and he has a plan to. St. Paul puts it this way in the second reading. He says, what? Hope does not disappoint. It just doesn't. Now, you and I have been disappointed because we put our hopes in, in, in other things, but hope in God, it just doesn't disappoint. What is hope? That's your desire for things from God. You can't out-desire him. You can't want too much. That's not a thing. That doesn't exist. Your desires are good. And even in our desires that are sinful, hear me, this is very careful. I want to try to be careful here. Even in your desires that are sinful, you're longing for something good. And Jesus sees the root of that desire. I'm not saying go do whatever. I'm not saying that because that's not good for you or for anybody. But Jesus looks at even our sinful desires with kindness. And we can bring those to him. Like bring the sinful desires of your heart. 
and be like, Jesus, I want this, and I know I shouldn't. Because deep down underneath of that is a good, true desire. Always. Always, always. And he's very gentle. He's very gentle with the woman of Samaria, and he draws this out from her. And he wants to be gentle with you, to meet you in the deep places, and to show you there that he sees you, and he sees you as really good and beautiful. And not only that, he thirsts for you. He longs to give himself to you. God is a lover, and you are his beloved. And he is just totally captivated by you and wants to give you everything. So sin is turning away from these things that were like, gosh, I was trying to fill myself with this stuff. But like, God is waiting for me. Infinite love is waiting for me. Joy and delight and peace is waiting for me. And then we're like, I, I didn't know, I'm sorry. I thought I had to go find it. I thought I had to grasp it. I had to ma um, manufacture it myself. Like, God, I didn't know. He longs for you. He thirsts for you. And you, just you yourself, are an incredible gift to him. You have something very, very beautiful to offer him. Just, just you. I'd like to uh, invite you to pray about two things. You can pray about whatever you want. You can do one or the other. It doesn't matter. One, I would like you to ask God to really convince you that he, he really longs for you. And two, yeah, like very gently, he would show you that he sees all the deep places of your heart, all the deep desires, and that he, he understands them and wants to, to draw them out and fulfill them. So again, Jesus, please show me that like you really long for me, you do desire me. You see me as good, that I'm a gift to you. And then Jesus, please show me that you see the deep places of my heart, my deep desires, and that you really long to meet me there and to fulfill them in ways I can't even fathom.